Pray with me, please. Lord God, I just thank you for this place. God, I thank you for what you've been doing. God, I thank you for what you've been doing in this city. I thank you for what you've been doing in this community. But God, I also thank you for what you've been doing in in each individual's life here. God, we need you. Let us be a generation. Let us be a community. Let us be a family here in this church that seeks after you. Christ, would you be our finish line? Would you be the goal? Would you be who we are trying to grow to be like? Not the ways of this world, not the busyness of our lives, not the Joneses, but you, Lord. Father, we need your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill this place. Would you open our hearts and our minds to what you might have to say? And that it is your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning, gang. You know, it was about a couple of years ago, soon after my kids were born, that uh, I can remember discovering something was a little different, something was a little wrong in my life. I can remember the moment I, I sat down on the steps that I have in my house, like I often do in the morning, to tie my shoes, and I bent over, and I started huffing and puffing, and I started stretching, and I couldn't quite reach my shoes, and I said, something is wrong. And I realized that it must have been while I was sleeping that someone snuck into my room and put a beach ball where my stomach used to be. I realized that, man, (laughs) I am out of shape. (laughs) And that was a couple of years ago, so you can see that not too much has changed. In fact, what I've discovered is, uh, is really I am lacking some personal disciplines in my life to kind of get in shape. You know what I'm saying? And I started uh, thinking to myself, uh, man, I, I just don't really feel good. Uh, I, I just really don't quite like the way that I look. And, and I don't think this is the me that God intended me to be, you know? And, and it was a, a really a lack of personal discipline that I could point to, right? I haven't been to the gym and I haven't been working out and the handful of uh, uh, dumbbells that I have in the basement are uh, way so much more than their actual weight because all the dust that's piling up on top of them and, uh, and my eating habits, they're not so great. In fact, Robbie and I uh, took a busload of teenagers down to the Console Energy Center for a, a concert last night, Winter Jam, and uh, one of the teens snapped this picture of me uh, <laughs> shoving my face uh, with, with a Permani Brothers sandwich, right? And, uh, and, and so I realized that some things need to change, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm just not the me that God intended me to be. Well, let me flip and, and turn that around on you. I wonder if you've ever asked that about yourself. Now, maybe not physically, maybe not about your appearance or, or your weight, but I wonder if you've said, man, I, I just don't like the way I feel. I, I just don't like the way others look at me. This is not the me that God intended me to be. Well, my good friend growing up, his name was Roger. When I was in high school, he was a bodybuilder. And his goal was to be one of those guys that you see on stage, you know, flexing their muscles. And uh, he was just all about the workout. And I can remember, uh, you know, I would go over to his house, and before we would go out in the evening, uh, you know, he'd get in a quick pump, is what he would say, right? And I can remember in his bedroom, on the mirror, 
uh, he had a, a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold in his prime, right? And uh, I'm telling you, my friend, he knew the measurements of Arnold's biceps, of Arnold's waist. And, uh, and he would always say, you know, someday uh, I, I'm going to look like that guy up on that mirror. Well, you know, what Robbie read to us this morning is kind of a picture of who we ought to be. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. Another translation says, Growing in every way more and more like Christ. That we ought to have a picture of Christ on our bedroom mirror, so to speak. That that ought to be the goal of how we are growing. So the tough question I have for you this morning is, are you growing? Are you becoming more and more like Christ? Because there's oftentimes in my life where I took a look and I said, man, I don't think I look anything like him. I think the problem is personal discipline. Growing to be more like Christ will involve more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. It would involve a life change. You know, if I would get to have a conversation with a professional athlete, right, Super Bowl Sunday, I'm sure that they would say that it takes more than just showing up for practice in order to play in the game. And it takes a lifestyle change. It takes personal disciplines being applied so that we can be the best that we can be. I looked up this word discipline. It says, an activity, exercise, or a regiment that develops or improves a skill. Discipline, right? And we have this horrible uh, feeling when we hear that word discipline. It's something we don't really want to do. But you know what? Discipline is the root word of disciple. If we want to be a disciple, if we call ourselves a follower of Christ... There are some spiritual disciplines that we ought to be applying to our lives so that we can grow to become more and more like Him. Uh, I got to have lunch with Pastor Jamie this past Friday, and he actually paid me a nice compliment. He said, you know, when it comes to these things, I see a lot of personal discipline in you. Obviously not in other areas, but when it comes to this. And, And I thanked him for that compliment. I really think there's a lot more growing that I need to do. But I said, man, you didn't know me when I was 20. I was a mess. I had zero discipline in any area of life. In fact, I can remember kind of wishing I went into the armed forces so I could uh, learn a little bit more discipline like my stepfather had in his life. So when I was in my early 20s and Christ finally got a hold of me, I remember uh, this is an area that he just went after in my life. and said, Doug, you're a mess and you need to develop some discipline in order to be growing. So I discovered two really important things. The first is this, if you want to change, okay, if you're someone who wants to change, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that you can do alone. You know, willpower is really great, and some people have a lot of of really great willpower, but I've learned that willpower is pretty much only good for losing a couple of pounds or saving up some money to go on vacation, something like that. But if you want to change who you are, if you want to be the, the person that God intended you to be, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Paul says to us in Romans 12 too, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. 
By the way, that, that word new, that doesn't mean like brand new, right? That means restored, like one would restore a car, right? To be like new, to be the way that God intended you to be. To be a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let's get practical. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have his Holy Spirit residing inside of you. And you can say to God, God, I give you just full access of who I am. Holy Spirit, I give you full access to my mind. I I want you to suggest thoughts to me. I want you to help me to focus, to grow, to be the person you intended me to be. You know, uh, any good psychologist or good behaviorist would tell you that if you act a certain way and you want to change, you have to look at the way you feel because your feelings drive your actions. And if you feel a certain way and you want to change, you have to look at the way you think because what you focus your brain on is what you're going to focus your feelings on. And what you focus your feelings on is what you're going to focus your actions on. So we have to allow God to transform us by changing the way we think. Here's the second thing I learned. That if you want to change, you need to develop a system of biblical habits in your life. I learned for me that that discipline just wasn't enough. That I needed a system that would take personal disciplines and turn them into habits, turning them into routines, things that I would do every day just naturally. And so there's an acronym that I actually use in my life and that I teach to young people, and I'd like to share that acronym with you this morning. The acronym I use is HABITS. And today I just kind of want to go through this with you, these biblical habits that God outlines for us for a changed life. If you're taking notes, here's the first one, H, okay? Hang time with God. Now you can tell I work with teenagers, right? Hang time with God. In, in, in life, I've learned that this is just an absolute first step. If you want to grow, again, this is probably the most important thing I'm going to say to you. So if, if you hear nothing else, hear this one as you walk out the door today, that if you want to grow, you need to develop a daily time with God. You've got to do it. And it just makes good sense, right? If you ask uh, any professional, if you ask a, a counselor, or if you ask a pastor, or if you, if you read a, a good book on relationships, if you talk to anybody about relationships, whether they be a Christ follower or not, they're going to say that the, the key to relationships is communication, right? And the key to our relationship with God is the same, is communication, to spend a daily time with the Lord, you know, Jesus modeled this for us. We, we can read countless verses about this. I picked one, Luke 5, verse 16. It says, as often as possible, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Jesus modeled it, and we need to do it. I had a, a teenager a couple weeks ago uh, come and, and say, uh, do, you, do you think that it's normal to feel like God has given you the silent treatment. And I said, yeah, I think it's normal to feel that way. I, I've felt that way plenty of times in my life. However, I, I have to ask myself the question, is God really giving me the silent treatment? Or if, am I not doing a whole lot of listening? You know what I mean? This is a really tough habit to develop. Because I, I think the biggest hurdle in our life is that we're so busy. 
We are a busy community. We are fueled by Red Bull and Starbucks. We got stuff to do. (laughs) And I know in my life, the hardest part was carving out some time in the morning. By the way, I really suggest that your daily time with God ought to be in the morning before you're about to tackle your day. But I I remember it, it was really difficult. And so to get practical with you, I don't suggest that you do what I did, which was, you know, I sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to carve out an hour and a half every morning and spend it with the Lord, right? Because I I bit off more than I could chew. But here's what I would suggest to you. If this is a habit you need to develop in your life, can can you just start with five minutes? Just five minutes a day with the Lord when you first wake up. If you're already doing five minutes, can you start with ten? Can you push yourself to spend this time with the Lord? Maybe you're like me and you're good at rationalizing. That is telling yourself rational lies, right? I rationalize all, this, all the time and I can remember saying, well, this morning I'm just too busy for five minutes. This morning I can't do that. And, and so I, I sat down and I said, okay, when, when in the morning do I have five minutes to myself, especially now that I have kids? And that's when I'm in the shower. And I know you're going to make fun of me, but some of the best times I spent with the Lord is when I'm getting ready in the morning. And I've developed an entire routine around it. My phone has been my best friend because I have an app that's got a, uh, all my to-do lists on it, and I go through each thing, and I talk to God about each thing on, on my list there. Uh, I've got another list when people come and they say, hey, Doug, would you, would you pray for me? I, I know I'm going to forget. And so if I say yes, I better put that name on my list, and I'm going to pray for people as I go through in the morning. I, I, I get into the Word, and, and it's God's uh, best and strongest way of speaking to us. He's already given us his word. And so I get into the word in the morning. And even on my drive into work, I listen to podcasts. Maybe that might be too much for you to just start tomorrow. But can you start with, with five minutes a day? It's the most important step to this. Here's the A. Accountability. You know, the Bible says that we are better together. The Bible says that we are better together. And if you want to grow, you need to develop other believers in your life. Now, the big fancy word for this is accountability. For a long time, I didn't know what accountability meant. And so I, I looked at that little word inside of it, accountability, count, right? You need to develop at least one person that you can count on in your life, someone that you can count on. You know, I've got uh, these twin girls. They're almost four now. And so it'd be fair to say that we get a, a kind of steady dose of Sesame Street in our house, Right? Do you guys remember the count? You know, I one, two, count, two, three, one, two. And these little Muppets on Sesame Street, they always have problem counting things. And so they run to find the count to help them count these things, right? And I remember that. If you want to grow, you need to, def- you need to find someone in your life that you can count on, that you can run to, to help you. How are they going to help you? Where are they going to pray for you? It's amazing power, power that when someone goes to God for you, for your sake, and prays for you, someone who's going to give you advice, someone who's going to be there to hold you to the line when you mess up, someone's going to pick you up when you're falling, someone who's going to help you. Now, what does that that person look like? Well, believe it or not, I have another acronym I use, and that is SWAT. I'll go through this quickly. Someone who is spiritually mature. Someone who wants the best for you, someone who's available, and someone that you can trust. 
Now, as you look at this list, you're probably like me and saying, man, that's a tough person to find. I mean, it took a long time for me to find someone like that in my life. I can remember the, the first time someone like that came along, and he actually became the best man in my wedding. And we, we uh, aren't the closest of friends. We don't get to exchange every day, but I will never forget what that man did for me, the way that he showed up in my life, the way that I was able to count on him. So where can you find someone like this? Honestly, the best place that I'd like to point you to is a small group. When I first started uh, to take Christ seriously in my life, I was challenged to join a small group. And I, I didn't think I wanted to do it. I thought, I didn't have time. I had a bunch of guys I don't know. Guys, we're not really good, us men, about sharing our feelings, you know. We got lots of guys in our life we can go watch the game with or, or go do an activity with, but to sit around and really talk about what's going on in our life, it's a tough step. But I can remember being challenged to take this step, and I did it, and I developed a handful of really strong accountability relationships out of that small group, and gang, it changed my life forever, forever. I didn't really take Christ seriously until I took those steps. There's going to be some things that you're going to struggle with that you cannot beat alone. That you need the help of someone you can count on. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Why do you do this? So that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Gang, the Bible says that if you want to be forgiven... That you need to confess to the Lord. But the Bible also says that there's going to be some things in your life that if you want to be healed, you need to find someone you can trust and confess to that person. That you need to find some accountability in your life if you want to grow. The teenagers make fun of me for saying this, but there's a phrase I use. Revealing your feeling is the first step to healing. Sounds silly, but it's very true. It's very true. Gang, sin grows in the dark. It's like mold that way. And when we have some secret sins in our life, they are going to take over our lives until we begin to shed light on it. Anybody, anybody ever tried to do work in your house and, and the lights aren't on, you need to get a flashlight? It's hard to fix things in the dark. And when we begin to share, not with the world, but with one or two people that we trust, that's when God begins to heal us through the work of two people working together. Here's the B. Bible memorization. Now, I used to think, why in the world do I need to memorize Scripture? Right? I got a couple of these in my office. Right? I got access to the Bible on the Internet. In fact, my phone, I use the Bible Gateway app. Usually when people are up here preaching, I'm sitting down there with you, and I got my Bible Gateway app, and I'm following along. Right? I see many of you following along right now. And so I think, why do I need to memorize this? But then it hit me when I went to my favorite restaurant, Primanti Brothers. Right? I love Primanti Brothers. And I have the menu memorized. I have the menu memorized. And guess what? When the waitress walks up to me and says, hey, you know, hey, welcome to Primanti Brothers. You know, what do you want? I know what I want because I have the menu memorized. Gang, there's going to be some times in your life when the enemy's going to come up to you and you're going to have to make a decision, right? And you're going to want to know what God wants for your life. You're not going to have time to pull out your phone, you know, say, hey, everybody, let's just pause for a minute while I try to discover what God wants for my life before I make this decision. Right? When you take time to memorize Scripture, it's going to change your life. And guess what? Jesus modeled it. Before Jesus went off into his public ministry, he was in the wilderness. 
And the enemy came and threw temptation after temptation at, at him. And how did he fight that? With the weapon of the word that he had memorized, right? Jesus didn't say, hey, hold on, let me get out my pocket Old Testament. Let me see what, I know Deuteronomy has something to say here, right? Jesus knew and he fought the enemy. He fought that temptation with memorized scripture. Well, let's be fair. He did write it. Am I asking you to memorize the entire book of the the entire book, the whole Bible? No, but here's where you can begin. What are you struggling with in your life? Are you struggling with, with anger? Well, then take some time to memorize some scriptures about anger. Are you struggling with lust? Then take some time to memorize some scripture about lust. About doubt? Take some time to memorize scripture about doubt. I cannot tell you how much this has saved my life, that God will take the word that I have uh, memorized and bring it to light. In fact, David says in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. You know, Paul describes the Bible as the sword of the Spirit, as a weapon. But if the battle is in our mind, how do we get the weapon in there? We've got to memorize it so that God can use it. Here's the I. To be involved in ministry. I wanted to say to be involved in your church, but I just want to pinpoint that that's more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. It means being involved in the doings of your church, the work of your church. So what do we call the work of your church, of our church? Ministry. Serving in ministry. It is so true that you will never grow faster and stronger spiritually than when you begin serving in ministry. Why? Because you're doing more than just sitting around and reading and kind of discussing the scriptures, but you're actually living out the scriptures. You're rolling up your sleeves. You're getting your hands dirty. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he, had, he planned for us long ago. Gang, you and I, God has some work for us to do. And you're never going to uh, grow as fast and as strong as when you begin to serve in ministry. I can remember reading a book a couple years ago about this, uh, the author of the book, he was in seminary. And he said he used to have this, this passion for the Lord. And then he was in seminary and he found himself kind of getting bored and kind of getting dull. And, and the fire just wasn't the way it used to be. And then a group of people at this seminary invited him to start going and serving the homeless. And so he started serving the homeless once a week. And he said that he began to see the scriptures that he was studying now coming to life. Because he was getting his hands dirty. I've got an incredible group of people that volunteer for me. The high school ministry team. I'm going to put their picture up on the screen. Not everybody could make it. Uh, for, yeah, not everybody could uh, make it for this picture, but there's a great group of people. <clears throat> and I got to tell you something. This, these people, they're my family. They're my family. I like to say this uh, when we're sitting around eating a meal together before youth group starts. As I say, that we're a family of people that, that eat together, that laugh together, that cry together, and do ministry together. And we study the Word of God together. These people hold me accountable. Okay, These people are my friends and my family. And I know that they feel the same way. Why? Because we are united serving in ministry together. Now a lot of you in this room will probably say, I don't want to work with teenagers. <laughs> I understand that. 
But we've got a lot of ministries in this church. We've got a lot of opportunities for you. In fact, in your worship folders this morning, um, there's a, a class coming up about how to mature in, in, in Christ. February 28th, Saturday, February 28th. I want to encourage you uh, to take a next step there. But the reason why I bring up this uh, green pamphlet is because we've got so many people in this church and so many opportunities, we're finding it hard to connect people in those opportunities. So we've started a whole new ministry called the Connections Ministry. So if you're looking to, to get involved in ministry or you're looking to join a small group, I would just encourage you to call Nancy. Her phone number is right there at the bottom. I, I warned her. I said, you're going to get a flood of voicemails this weekend, right? I would encourage you to give her a call and find out how you can get connected, how you uh, can begin serving in ministry. Two more to go, and I'll move quick. Here's the T, tithing. It's true. If you want to grow spiritually, another discipline you need to practice is tithing. Uh, and it's more than just giving money. What tithing is, is it's a trust exercise, It's, do I trust God enough to give him that first 10%? 10% of what? What he's already given me, to return that back to him. Do I trust God enough to do that? You know, it's funny, I was listening to a a pastor on a podcast last week, and he said, how you use your money will show others and God what you love the most. And I thought that's very true. And I had to kind of laugh about it, uh, I see Doug Mangus sitting over there. I've been kind of working with him as a financial planner in my life. He could see where things are going, and he must think I really love the bank or a lot of creditors the most, right? Because that's where most of the money's going. But it's true. It's true. Where you spend your money, where you put it first, is, is, uh, is what shows where, what I love the most. I was hanging out with Robbie last week, and we were talking about, man, uh, the stock market, Apple computers, what would it have been like if I would have just invested a couple of bucks in, in a- Apple stock? We, we did the research. A couple thousand dollars. We'd have half a million dollars today if we invested back in the 80s in Apple computers, right? So we started talking about investing money. And I just think tithing makes good sense. Because when we invest in a business, suddenly we really care about how that business is doing. And we're really focused about that thing. When we invest in the work of God, suddenly we're going to really be caring and invested in what God is doing in our lives. Luke 6 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. Here's the last one. Yes. Study Scripture. That's more than just reading it. That's more than just your thoughts about it. That's more than just listening to some guy stand up on a stage and tell you his thoughts about it. Studying Scripture is discovering who wrote it. Who did they write it to? Why did they write it? What was going on at that time? How can I begin to apply the Word to my life? You know, when my little girls were first born, they were premature. And they had to go into the NICU. It was really difficult. And I can remember having to go and visit them for a couple of weeks in this NICU and, um, and just watching the wonderful team of people that were just caring for them. And I can remember every nurse would kind of explain to us this, this list of criteria they needed to meet in order to go home with us. And the one thing that I really remember was my daughter Ella had a feeding tube like up her nose. And that's how she was getting nourishment because she wasn't drinking milk on her, on her own. And 
the major criteria for her to be able to go home with us is she needed to begin uh, to learn to feed for herself, right? And Paul challenges us with a similar concept. Hebrews 5.12 You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. The writer says, you are not going to grow unless you begin to move to solid food. In other words, you need to begin to study this book. And we're challenged. How long have we been believers? How long have we had the opportunity to study long enough that we ought to be teaching others? Gang, I promise you, if you... If you begin to apply not not all of these steps, but one or two of these steps in your life, you're going to see a huge change. You're going to see a massive growth in your spiritual walk with Christ. In fact, when you get the opportunity to start applying all of these steps to your life, it's going to change who you are. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, vocationally, relationally. Every aspect of your life will change. Change to what? To be more like Christ. Let us help you take the first steps. Connect with us, because we'd love to help you take those first steps. Let's pray. Lord God, I just love you, and I just thank you for this place, and I thank you for what you've been doing here. And God, this is tough stuff um, to be able to apply to our lives. But God, I, I think of a, a word that, that we find in Scripture that describes the growth of, that we ought to see in our life. That word is burgeness. It means to grow with such power and such force like a plant bursting through the ground. God, I pray that for our lives. Lord, I pray that we would trust in your Holy Spirit first. God, I pray that you would change us and that we can begin to apply some steps, some some spiritual, personal disciplines in our lives to grow to be more like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.